0: And talking
1: to our friends. Book Club. Hello, oh, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with.
2: Oh, we love
3: I'm Danielle.
1: And I'm Matt fine Hey, Matt's back. Hey, Matt's I'm back. back. Welcome
4: back. You guys had a uh, great episode last week.
1: Oh, thank you, thank man. You. Yeah, it was a fun episode. Unfortunately, Mark <laughs> couldn't be on this time, but we're going to have him back on soon. <laughs> And hopefully with you, Matt, as well. So I think that, that'll that be really great. That's going to be coming up soon. Amazing. There's a little bit of a conspiracy, right, Aubrey and I were talking about this? I mean, seriously, I mean, you're
2: really Mark, aren't you? I mean, I've never heard you guys <laughs> yeah. on the same time. No, no.
4: Do a really good Australian accent. <laughs> right. With the Brisbane dialect. <laughs> I want to be on with him. That's going
2: to be awesome
1: yeah it'll be really no, good i
2: can't wait for that to happen I, I i know i'm just gonna be like sitting here most of the time just like listening to you guys go back and forth and go <laughs> wow man wow <laughs>
1: yeah that was a fun episode but i'm so glad that we could have you back on this week this is an all hellboy podcast we're reading all the different hellboy comics and we're interweaving them with a reading order that's been developed by the awesome mark twido who we had on last week and mark Tweedo, of twido Develops the reading order for Multiversity, so we're so lucky to have him helping us out every single week. And we engage with our listeners, with our listener feedback, and Danielle's going to tell you all about it.
3: We're reading a story, and then we're talking about it, and then you're going to listen to to us talking about it, and you're going to read it also, because we told you what you were going to (laughs) read. We told you already. That was like a week ago. And then you send us hey damn guys that means you can email us you send us a message on social media and we look at it and then we're the next time we're can tell you what to read and then you read it <laughs> okay. and then we talk about it back to you john thank
1: you that friendship, was amazing and it's friendship it's there a book, you go it's don't forget about the friendship
3: it's a book club aubrey back to you aubrey
2: uh back to you john <laughs> oh wait back to you matt
3: <laughs> i heard
4: that texas means friendship is that right Yes. No, no, I don't know.
1: Sure. no! Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that. That's interesting. Maybe
4: they just meant like, "Hey,
1: Texas means friendship." There you go. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. You read a story. We talk about it.
2: You hate them guys, us
1: it's a book club we had some feedback on hellboy and hell the hounds of pluto ryan yule thanks uh, so much for sharing your hellboy and hell pages he had even more pages of original art from mike mignola from this series One of them was the montage of Hellboy's birth, all the different, like, you know. Ryan um, Yule, book club member. Yeah. And another great thing is that he gave me the link to his collection. So if you go over to our Facebook page, along with Adam's chronology and the reading order, you can also find links to Ryan's collection. So there's two very handy links. One of them is all the stuff that he has that's by Mike Mignola. And the other link is all his Mignolaverse stuff. Like, you know, he's got stuff by Fumara what? and Richard Corbin, and it's just so amazing to go in there and look at it. There's so many pieces of original art that he has. So hop on over there to our Facebook About section. You can check all that out. Thank you so much, Ryan, for giving me permission to post those.
2: Man, I'm going to have to go check those out. It's
1: really good. Yeah. Texas does mean friendship, you guys. Oh. Nice. <laughs> what does
4: that mean? <laughs> no, no, please
3: clarify what this means. Tejas. Yeah, tejas. Texas
4: is a word derived from the word Tejas, which means friendship. And it's the state motto of Texas, friendship.
1: Ah, tejas there.
3: means friendship.
1: There you go. We live here and we don't know this. Yeah, I don't know Thank this. you so much for educating us. Though. I don't know what my state motto is. <laughs>
4: <laughs> tejas is the Native American pronunciation of the word friends and is the name the Indians gave the earliest settlers.
1: The origin of the name Texas is what I'm looking at. Okay. I posted that one part where Dr. Hoffman is, he's saying all the stuff that Hellboy's got to do, and I'm going to trap him in this dead cat, and Hellboy's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. The Barbar Yaga said, this is one of my favorite exchanges. Nicholas Orzaga said, certain parts of this Hellboy and Hell series were very screw-on-head, which is fun, and the artwork is definitely worthy of long gazes, but overall, I have to admit, I'm in the camp of folks who've never really counted Hellboy and Hell among their favorite stories. Truthfully, I can't wait to get back into reading BPRD. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I've heard from other people that Hellboy and Hell is not their favorite stuff as well. Okay. Which I thought was kind of interesting. I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. Because most people
4: are just waiting around for Hellboy stuff by Mike Manola. Were they anticipating it and then disappointed? Mm. Hmm. Or were they like, oh, Hellboy and Hell,
1: yeah, I probably won't read that. You
4: know, like, I want to know when they became disinterested or, or it wasn't their
1: favorite. It took me coming around to it, like, as the issues were coming out. But when I read it as a collected thing, I was like, okay, you know, usually when the issues would come out, since they were so far apart, I would go back and read all the other issues, too, and then read the new issue. And that was kind of a, you know, that kept me really interested in it. And I think if maybe you weren't, you were, if you were reading it more detached It might not have been as engaging. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe. But then Lobster20,000 said Hellboy has such a wonderfully weird and dry sense of humor. I think the loss of that is a big part of why none of the films really work for me. You know, so he really did enjoy that weird humor. But yeah, they don't translate that well in the films, or I don't know. They do a good job with it at some points. I'm thinking of the first movie, there's some good parts where he's got like the dry sense of humor.
2: I feel like the 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 first two films there's definitely more Guillermo del Toro than than Mike Mignola. Right. And, yeah. Uh, this new film was. Hey, I, I, liked, I like I like uh, David Harbor. Yes, I really like I, David I, Harbor.
1: I, I, I watched it recently and I thought it was pretty good. I, I I still enjoy that movie.
2: Don't get me wrong. I will watch it again. Um, I think next
1: time they need to do it TV. Yeah, that yeah, yes. really is the format that would work well. Yeah.
3: I've yeah. Oh man, I've been saying that. Though I mean, we have had this conversation, but yeah, we've
1: talked about it so much. Yeah. Um, An
3: ensemble, kind of a monster of the week, but then they have also the mythology yeah. per season plot. Oh, man. It would be good. So good, like Buffy slash X-Files.
1: Well, there was this interview oh, recently yeah. with Mignola, and they asked him, what's in development now? What are you doing? And he said, nothing. There's yeah. nothing yeah. in development. Yeah. He said, "I'm not doing any leave media. me alone. Yeah. yeah,
3: chill the fuck out." But he
1: did say that he was interested in doing comics again, which is super exciting. Yeah, it's like, really oh my exciting. god, what would he do? I'm you know, would he do something new? I was to just see looking that. at something the other day. There's going to be this series coming out called Norse Mythology. Okay, and okay. he's doing some of the art for it. Ooh, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so that sounds awesome. Check um, that out. When I heard
2: about Hellboy in Hell first, I, I was, ex- I guess, I was expecting something more hellish. Or something like that. I don't know. But then, as we've been reading this, it's more like Hell has fallen, and this is Hellboy's kind of journey through the different realms of Hell. Right. And this, it's better than I anticipated. I Uh. mean, it's fascinating, and it's a wonderful story. Maybe it's that they were expecting it to be
1: hellish. Right, yeah. I think it is,
3: though. I'm reading it, and Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is so fucking unique. No one's ever done anything like it. It's incredible. It's so artful. It's I'm I'm very impressed by it and I'm it's a totally it, unique experience. Yeah.
2: And it really totally also fits in with like um, stuff like the island and the third wish. Yeah, it really does. Exactly. Uh, because those it's stuff are just weird and just yeah, fun. It's in that
1: direction. You're you absolutely know. right. This stuff
3: is exactly what I want to be reading from this team i think it's right on track yeah. right on target for i can't what wait it is. for us to yeah. get
1: to the ending that y'all are gonna really like it i think yeah. it's the epitome of hellboy yeah, hellboy and
4: good. hell
2: yeah it really is like
4: it's everything that i was trying to articulate this recently with you guys right that this is like what mike has always wanted to do right, but yeah. had to go through everything else to get anywhere near this point and, right, but like right. here it is right so I can't even imagine what the guy would do with Hellboy next. It was 10 issues over like several years. Like maybe that That doesn't help. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't. But- yeah. Oh
3: yeah, maybe it's also partially because I'm reading all of this all at once. And
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there is that too. Because I
3: have no... Yeah, I don't, I'm not on a timeline. I can just read as much as I want. Right. So it's kind of one of those things where I'm taking that for granted, I guess. It's really fucking good. It's really fucking good. And I'm... I'm I'm enjoying it. I really like it a lot. I think it's incredible, and I, it is hellish. I mean, it's yeah, it's exactly what you would want from Mike Mignola, I think I think personally, I mean, I'm very impressed with it. So yeah. I, don't know.
2: I guess if it had been more like traditional hellish, I guess it would be. I don't know. With the BPRD, I feel like we're getting the hellish.
3: Okay, but would that be interesting? Yeah, yeah. but but like how how interesting would that because like I think what he's giving us is something. I hate to keep saying the word unique, but it is. It is unique. I, mean, and that's what, I yeah. think that's what
2: makes it really good. But it's I'm, original. But it's just like, I mean, with the BPRD, it's, it's just a little more, you know, fucking monsters are running around eating people. <laughs> <There you laughs> and sure, That's right. where well, you're getting so stuff. Shit. Yeah. It's right. a, yeah. So
4: maybe that's what, what the comment refers to is he'd rather get back to BPRD because isn't it funny that. It's BPRD hell on earth, right, right when Hellboy's in hell. Right. Like, yeah. And nothing's happening
2: almost, there.
1: Yeah. yeah, it
4: almost implies nothing's going to happen.
2: That's funny. Either way, I enjoy the entire world. It's 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 beautiful. <laughs> I think it's amazing. <laughs> and there's yeah. something for everyone. Yeah. yeah.
1: And Jen Niklas also was excited to get back in Hellboy in Hell. He said, yay, Issue seven and eight. With this story, you got the feeling the thing got started. And then only two issues followed. Oh, no. Serious thoughts, though. After those two issues, I thought to spot a theme in the series. This isn't part of the greater Hellboy story. This is a story after Hellboy's greatest hour. The big epilogue. But Hellboy's destiny, or that of his hand, is bigger than one life, as we see with Gamori. His life is over, but there's still stuff to do. Sad, good story, but sad. I also think that Hoffman is an interesting character because he acts just so nice, so either... He was really chained since he landed in hell or he feels guilty and thinks that he deserves to be there as a form of punishment because he didn't help his crazy friend with his fish-obsessed golem. I find that very interesting, that there may be no real law to land in hell, but that people in death choose to land there because Hoffman doesn't seem to be a bad bloke, but if you feel guilty, you're your own worst judge. Yeah, I thought that Jenny was really- yeah, yeah, good job, man. Oh yeah,
4: this would be something I forgot to mention. Okay. Okay. Speaking of Gamori, the river of blood that she's following reminded me of the red thread that we had been talking about oh, earlier right. that he tied yes. onto that cat. Oh yeah. And I thought that was like her red
1: thread. Right, and it leads her back, and that's that's a part of like that's like a fairy tale thing, right? That you but follow she's like a thread. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. Anyway. There was
3: a, the, I think the Minotaur in the maze
1: something like that yeah well
3: no it was exactly that
1: yeah and jen niklas also said that he loved fagredo's hellboy because i mashed up kind of the the flashbacks of mori and little hellboy with the fagredo ones and um he said that's a very dirty-minded boy (laughs) (laughs) and jason abaddon said fagredo can even make a demon look sexy with those panels of gamori at monkey jungle said hellboy's expression in panel two is so funny that's that duncan Figredo little hellboy and then Figredo responded to that Ah, that was really cool he said it was a lot of fun to push his emotions to the surface little hellboy wears his heart on his sleeve yeah so thank you Figredo for chiming mm-hmm. in on that
2: man i love Figredo's little
1: hellboy yeah it was really good to um there's like a lot of similarities in those panels and I realized to the ones in the mm-hmm. Midnight Circus. Nathaniel Green said, am I the only one who has a little sympathy for Gamori? She's not a very likable character, but that is a rough end. Yeah, because like she had to like follow the blood all the way back and then go mad and all this stuff. And
2: after, and after she's been kind of like repressed by her uncle the whole
1: time. Yeah. Yeah. That is an interesting way to look at it.
3: Yeah, she's in league with these fucking ether world bugs or whatever, you know, play shitty games, win shitty prizes. That's
1: right. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it was basically their judgment on her that did that. Yeah, that's so because she lied, yeah. right. She lied about Like, I'm not in league yeah. with the Else world. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> she- You're right. Yeah, so- that's a good point. When I posted all the comparisons in all those montages, there were comparisons to Fagreto, but then there were also comparisons to Mignola's past stuff. You know, and you kind of get to see it mm-hmm. in both versions. Wes Mattis said, It's crazy how some of the illustrations have more detail and some less. The message and images are still complete, and I could never pick which is more impressive. Yeah, I thought that was such a good way of putting it. it you can't really say one is better than the other. It's just different. It's just yeah. his style has evolved.
2: I was like, It's like you see, it's like the evolution of his style. Yeah.
4: One of the coolest things about these comics is artists have all this opportunity to draw stuff that all these other accomplished artists have drawn
1: yeah i love when like they do we're,
4: that we're gonna get into that heavily today
1: oh yeah for sure but that's one of my favorite things i love finding those comparisons and finding uh, nice ways to post them online it's one of my favorite things about this series we had some feedback on how kashi became deathless jerry turnbull said jerry turnbull book club member <laughs> The Scottish writer and editor, Andrew Lang, published a series of 25 books in the late 1800s collecting myths and legends. Within the pages of the Red Fairy book, you can read the death of Koshki the Deathless. There is a very cheap Kindle edition. And then he also later posted a link where you could read it online for free. It wasn't that long. I was kind of like, I was like, I I didn't have enough time at, at that moment to sit there and read it. But if you go in our Facebook page, you can see that link that he posted. Lobster 20,000 said, I love this story. One of my favorites. So cool to see Guy Davis drawing the high fantasy world. And then Duncan Figredo left another comment on our Twitter. Duncan (laughs) Figredo, Yeah. What? Book club? I know. He's more. I think he's higher than a book club member, right? Um, But he said. uh, No, there's
3: no one higher than (laughs) anyone else. It's all egalitarian. We're all equal. There you go. Go
1: ahead. (laughs) <laughs> uh Duncan Macredo said this story is otherwise known as how Guy Davis drew a great story and gave me a bit more time on the wild hunt yeah so I thought that was such an interesting comment so I guess yeah, like okay. because it was they drew that one out to eight issues so I wonder if they needed a little bit of buffer in there you know what I mean oh. so they needed something to fill out some pages and they were like hey guy did because he did it for three issues in a row In the middle of the wild hunt. I think it was issues two through four. So, yeah, that is so interesting. Nice little insight into how all that works.
2: Oh, that's actually really sweet.
1: When I posted about Kashki's soul in an egg and a duck and a rabbit and a goat, Jason Abaddon said, Just goes to show that goats will eat anything. (laughs) 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 And Sarah Cole said, Whenever I read about Koshki's soul... Especially when related to the Baba Yaga, describing it, I always hear this manic energy. Yeah, it was that clip from Emperor's New Groove, right? With Isma. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh wait, wait, which scene?
3: There's a scene with Isma where she's talking about she's gonna get a put, turn him into a flea. Put oh, the flea in a yes, box, yes.
1: And, yeah. <laughs> it's really good. I, I'll, That's a great I'll scene. try to find a little clip of that and post it in here. It's very good. Um, just the voice acting in it is good. The voice
3: acting is tremendously good.
1: Uh, I love that movie. Patrick Warburton is in that movie.
3: <laughs> He's super good. I'll turn him into a flea.
1: A harmless little flea. And then I'll put that flea in a box. And then I'll put that box inside of another box. And then I'll nail that box to myself. And when it arrives, I- <laughs> I'll
2: smash it with a hammer. It's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant.
1: And Ross Radke had a very Ross important Radke. question. Yeah, Book Ross club Radke, member. yeah, check him out. He had a great question that I want to throw out there to everybody. What three animals would you hide your soul in? Oh no! He said his would be a cuttlefish in a platypus in an iguana. Aw, that's
3: cute. <laughs> okay. What do you, all all what do you tropical th-
1: animals. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Yeah. I should have. I should have thought about, about that, that more before this. Well, I'll come back next week and say what our animals were. About a
2: mouse inside a cat inside a dog.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, like... That's very, very, yeah.
2: Uh, See, it's so... There wasn't
3: a Leia Swallowed a Fly style.
2: Yeah, but no, see, it's so traditional. Nobody will think about it.
3: (laughs) I don't think that's true at all. Because a dog will eat anything.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Some feedback on Baba Yaga's feast. Jason Abaddon said, I wonder where the floating mortar comes from. I think that is also part of the Russian legend, yeah. But okay. where is the pestle for it, or where did she get that thing that she flies around in? I wonder if there's if there's if that's part of the legend. Let us know if you know about folklore and stuff. Wait, like what that. What are you talking
3: about? She's got it usually. It's, it's usually there.
1: Oh, the pestle. Yeah. No, you're talking about is that that big staff that she has yes, all the time? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that, why that makes she sense. Has that. that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I thought
2: you meant like where she got the whole setup from. Like, did she go like down to the used <laughs> pestle mart and be like, I need to fly in one? Well, I'm
1: just I'm just guessing that that comes from the folklore somewhere. Yeah. Okay he also said it's funny the female Rus- russian version of death is sort of a matriarchal figure the english version is this grim reaper so you kind of got the R- russian version of death oh. is the female and then the english one is kind of like the grim reaper more yeah. male version i thought that was cool yeah so interesting that is interesting sarah cole said <laughs> the, the russian version of death baba yaga you're at it again uh ah. Girl, there's a limit. <laughs> she's always... The Russian version of death is always there when she's doing some crazy shit. Like when she was there uh, putting yeah. all her power in Koski and emptying all her skulls and stuff like that. And it's, yeah. the, the, it's always back there going like, uh, think about what you're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> we had some feedback on the exorcist of Vorsk. Nathaniel Green said, notice how the coins change to the same emblem from the death card. So I didn't notice this on our last read through when he's earning all the coins and there's ups of them. They have like a face on the side, like a traditional coin, but by the end of the story, it has the death card skull on the coin. Oh, okay. Yeah. As the story goes on. So what a great detail. Thank you, Nathaniel, for that. We had some feedback on Ape Sapien, The Garden 3. Jason Abaddon said, the St. Sebastian fungus monsters are a callback to unused ideas from the island. In the art pages for the island, Mike had an idea for fungus monsters, but while he liked the idea, it wasn't right for that story. Yeah, and if you go to those, like, abandoned pages that were supposed to be in there, Hellboy fights these, like, fungus monsters. So, yeah, I guess they, okay. pulled, they just put that idea over there. Robson on Instagram said, Hi there, I love your page and podcast. I'm a big Hellboy fan myself. Last week I found some Hellboy novels, and I love them. As far as I'm aware, they aren't canon, right? I was wondering why these novels aren't as familiar with other fans as the comics are. Keep up the good work. Yeah, and so I responded to that. I think that they're getting more traction, especially now that they're coming to Audible and stuff like that. Yeah, I they just came to Audible. I think more people will be listening to them, but I've heard they're really good. I haven't read them either, so I'm part of that, you know, part that's kind of ignored that part of the Hellboy universe reading.
2: Isn't there, like, one of them, like, at least considered canon? Yeah, one of
1: them is, and I think Mark Tweedo wants us to incorporate in there, so maybe we'll we'll check that out. That'll <laughs> be really Actual good. Book club. Actual book club. Yeah. Have oh. you read any of those, Matt? No, I've never read the novels. I I didn't realize they were canon until
4: fairly recently, probably when Mark mentioned it. But yeah, I'm interested. I just don't have a lot of time to like read books anymore, yeah. unfortunately. That's why I I need to- like a good long vacation, I'll just burn through them. Mm. <laughs> that's
2: that's one of the reasons I listen to audiobooks. I have like a long drive to and from work, so right yeah audiobooks and podcasts and things
1: i've been doing that more too ross radke he said the story danielle referenced about the hangman imagining his escape was a classic twilight zone episode
3: was it oh because i remember we read we read this so i don't know i guess like was the twilight zone episode adapted from that
1: It's called An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Yeah,
3: that's what it's called. It's
1: a 1962 French short film, almost without dialogue. It is based on an 1891 American short story of the same name by an American Civil War soldier, wit and writer Ambrose Bierce. It was also screened on the American television episode 142 of The Twilight Zone on February 28, 1964. Yeah. Interesting. And I was going to say, you got to follow Ross Ratke on Twitter or Instagram if you're not doing that already, because he's painting this family reunion. Have you seen this?
2: Yeah, I've been following him, so... Uh, okay,
1: so there's a famous painting by Frederick Bazille called Family Reunion. <laughs> that, it's, it's really good. It's, it's a really famous painting. And we actually saw this painting when we were in Paris. It was oh, at yeah. it was at the Dorsey Museum. Nice. Oh, wow. In the painting, there's just this whole family there. And so Ross Radke is redoing that painting. But with Hellboy's family, his brothers, Gamori Astaroth, uh, he's working in, like, nice. his mom with the chains and all that kind of stuff. Okay. and it's really good it, it, it looks so awesome so he's still in the process of drawing it as as of no, uh, when awesome. we're recording it right now but um it's such a great idea you got to check that out it's so cool
2: you can also find him on ros art on facebook
1: oh yeah yeah go check him out there clayton Schofield at sir edward gray on twitter said maybe hold off on buying the marquee trade paperback canadian amazon birdie Not an insult to injury birdie is teasing that Dark Horse is planning an expanded oversized hardcover at the end of the year. I would love a future episode tackling this stuff, even though it's not Hellboy related. Yeah, so that's going to be, I guess that's going to be coming out. The marquee is going to be coming out in a hardcover, possibly, or I guess that's the rumor or whatever. So, cool, I'm going to definitely keep an eye out for that.
4: That is one of my favorite comics it is so good okay awesome yeah it's, it's really i mean it's you know it's now, not an easy read all the time okay it's pretty graphic yeah yeah it's, it's so well done
1: and i'm not trying to spoil anything but like i heard that it was never finished is that true like does it have a satisfying
4: yeah the two volumes are essentially standalone okay each one
1: i wasn't given the impression that it was
4: like a cliffhanger oh anything? okay
1: i thought that there was like there was supposed to be a third part that never came out or something like well that. yeah i mean i know he had
4: planned to do
1: more and didn't all right and now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week this week we're talking about bprd hell on earth nowhere nothing never this is a three issue arc published from april to june 2015 as bprd hell on earth 130 to 132 written by Mignola and arcudi Art by Peter Snybier. So we get Snibeer back on art. Colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Clem Robbins. Covers by Lawrence Campbell. And shout out to longtime editor Scott Alley as we get back into our main storyline, right? He's oh, the yeah. one that's keeping all the continuity together and keeping track of all these details.
2: Man, this cover is just stunning. <laughs>
1: yeah, all these covers that focus on Johan are really great. And they're also really intense. You know, there's a lot of emotion in there. And... How appropriate, because we're beginning the last arc of BPRD Hell on Earth, guys. This is the final volume of it. I can't believe we're here. When we first started BPRD, I was like, man, I can't wait to get to the Black Flame. I can't wait to get to this. I can't wait to get to that. Now we're here, (laughs) and we're getting to the very end of it. And it's just like, it's crazy, you know, cracking this Volume 5 open.
2: Well, it's like, as we've um, started this, like, I've been staring at the Plague of Frogs and Hell on Earth on your bookcase the whole time and it's like holy crap we're at the end of that yeah we're
1: getting to the end of it there yeah since you brought up the cover
4: the next four issues are the covers are phenomenal yeah oh yeah and I actually like to take the 5 issues starting with this one and just lay them out sometimes. Right, yeah. And like if I'm reading it, I got to look at all the covers first. It is so cool.
1: Yeah. yeah. It'll be gr- I- I'll definitely post a picture of that. So previously on BPRD Hell on Earth, we've actually been out on the road, bro, hanging out with BPRD's new badass exorcist, Ashley Strode. She was taught by Oda Benga and even given his rosary beads. When we last saw the actual main team, that was way back in BPRD Flesh and Stone. Long story short, we had another Gal Denars Howard storyline. Howard saved Enos and the team, and now they're all branding the Howard symbol at the BPRD headquarters. Over in Russia, Vavara is fucking with Yosef's mine and dreaming of hell. Ogdru hems are pretty much in every area on the planet. The Black Flame cracked the shell of the Ogdru Jahad. But most importantly, Phoenix is trying to teach Liz how to garden. Yeah, it's good stuff. Here on the podcast, all that stuff happened three months ago on episode 67. Fuck. Yeah. Jeez, (laughs) Wow.
2: We did have that long stretch of uh, lobster time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we open on one of these BPRD air assault helicopters. Inside, we see Gervish, Johan, Nichols... And Agent Oscar Choi, who's been with them since The Broken Equation, that kaiju story. And everyone just looks like really exhausted and bummed out. Johan addresses the team. You know, it's strange. I'm actually very tired. And they all just like look at him. Yeah, Nichols looks pissed. (laughs) I don't mean to say that I'm tired in the same way any of you is tired. I can appreciate how much harder this has been for you. For all of you but it's still strange i never used to get tired in the old containment suit and we just focus in on nickels just glaring at johan and there's even like a silent word bubble where it's just got the three dots where he's just like it, it's almost like he opens his mouth to say something but he doesn't know what to say yeah and we see the helicopter land at the base all the soldiers get out and johan just looks so heavy you know what i mean like as he's like carrying everything i noticed in these shots i just felt like there seems like there's a huge weight on him see his backpack is open and looks empty right mm. exactly excuse me agent nichols if i could just have a word with you about fuck off nowhere man nichols says and then they just and all walk fucking off
3: harsh. yeah <laughs>
1: that's crazy right that's a good own <laughs> yeah that's a
3: fucking good own for johan he's a, been saving that one that's yeah. an excellent <laughs> diss this is chef's kiss
1: and we just see johan walk and again he's just carrying all this stuff it just seems like there's all this weight he goes into his room and he just drops the grenade launcher and he just like slumps onto his bed on the table over at his desk we can see he's got that notebook out that's that same notebook from bprd the dead yeah we'll talk about that more
3: this next page uh with kate uh, such a wonderful depiction of kate
1: oh yeah Sabier's i really, version. yeah he does I a great version of her version. Oh, yeah. yeah. he gives her a lot of personality her in facial story. expressions
3: are great her hair is perfect kate hair yeah i just uh i just <laughs> love it i love no i i really i'm a fan of this one because her expressions are so dead on right for anyway, I, I, I really I do like that because yeah. she's
1: got her glasses on, and then Nichols comes in and he's like, "I'll refuse any assignment with Yohan. Toss like, me in the brig if you want." She takes the glasses off and she's, she's, she's like, like "Where's this coming, coming from? from? What happened?" Right. <laughs> yeah, what happened?
3: She's just very. <laughs> I fucking love Kate. She can't deal I with love this her right so now. much, but she can though. That's that's she, she has is to. She will. She's gonna. But she's so irritated.
1: Uh, uh-uh, uh <laughs> you're not looking at a snitch here, Doctor Nichols says. Crouch should file those reports soon. After that, you still got questions? Call me. This
3: guy is exhausting. And Nichols just, just walks
1: out. Yeah.
3: A petulant, exhausting <laughs> fucking guy. Well...
2: I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's like we've seen like everybody's looking like like exhausted from the helicopter and Nichols is definitely pissed at Johan. I get it. We uh, haven't but, seen but, what uh, happens yet, though. But, so, I mean, like, no, all I know
3: right now is that this guy's being a fucking dick. No, sure. see,
2: actually, I don't take it like that. I take it that something went down and right. we're going to find out. We're yeah, find but you out. read it.
3: You know that now.
2: <laughs> but, I mean... Just, I was just more intrigued about what would happen. Right. That's yeah, what I'm saying.
3: Right. I'm more intrigued about like how Kate's going to handle it. I hope I'm hoping <laughs> right. at this point that this is a Kate heavy story. Obviously that wasn't the case, but I was really excited when I saw her.
1: We cut to Johan and he's passed out in his bed and he has this weird Twin Peaks like dream, oh, that's great. Right? Oh, it's <laughs> so yeah. Twin Peaks. He's got this there's this table and there's all these people sitting around it. There's Ben Daimio but he's unscarred. Abe, but he looks like Langdon Call, or maybe he is Langdon Call. Panya, but she's a young Egyptian woman, and Liz, and she's like a little girl. And here she's like drawing a horse on a chalkboard, which I thought was interesting too. Like, is that supposed to mean something? Very Lynchian. I start thinking about all these kinds of things. Right? What does the horse Lynch, mean? Yeah. <laughs> it, it means. No, I had to like go back and
4: try and figure out if a horse had been significant to her right. at some point. Yeah.
2: Well, I couldn't figure it out. Johan learned to ride a horse before they went to the Black Flame.
1: There you go. Yeah, he, we had that whole scene where he learned how to ride a horse, so maybe that has something to do with it. And Nichols just yelled at him, and Nichols was the one that taught him how to ride the oh, horse. Yeah, maybe, yeah that's maybe. a good good job, Aubrey. Here, Langdon is like, um, he's always late, and no good in any case. Why do we bother? And so Johan bursts in, and he's in his human form. And he's like, oh, sorry I'm late. And so he starts going like, they're going to do a seance. Krauss, this ain't a seance. It's an intervention, Daimyo says. And he's like, What? And then Liz is like, Want to see what I can do? And she poses like a tarot card, right? The hangman?
4: Reading into that, yeah.
1: Oh, and okay. I, yeah.
4: See, I kinda
3: read it just as look at me, I can do a handstand. I'm right. being a kid. I'm doodling a horse yeah. and I'm being innocent and sweet. I, I thought I right. saw it as like, Look at me, you know, kids yeah. always want you to look at them.
1: Yeah, because you can see that she's upside and doing down. Goofy shit. Yeah. yeah, but that's so interesting, man. She could be um, the hanged man um, yeah. though, that
3: might be, you know.
1: Langdon tells Johan that he's a danger to himself and others. What you're doing right now ain't working, Damiel yells. While they continue to argue, Johan looks down at his hands and And these pools of liquid ectoplasm or something, they start forming around his hands. Isis, get control of yourself, man, Panya yells as Johan's hands turned into the, they turned into like those valve hands of his old suit with the nozzles on the end and all this liquid is pouring out of them. And she mentioned Isis, that's a goddess of life and magic isis protected women and children and healed the sick johan he can't control the liquid and it's just like pouring and spraying everywhere and it's like filling up the room it looks like it's filling up the panels on the pages and it gets all over panya turning her into her mummy self johan look what you've done she says my arms johan yells what's happening to me this isn't about you liz flares up out of the water and now it's like waist deep and she's her adult fiery version I like this depiction of Liz, too. That's really good. I like yeah. how
4: Johan, that's as close as he's going to get to like a superhero costume.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. where he's wearing the thing right here. Yeah. Looks like an
4: old school DC Comics
1: guy or something. It right. It really does. <laughs> yeah, and he's like transforming into that bubble suit.
2: It's like as his, his ectoplasm touches everything and reverts them back to how they really oh, are. Oh,
1: right. Yeah, I like that.
4: And, you know, we saw him dream for the first time. James Heron was the artist. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Was it? The he's long like a giant death? eyeball monster or something.
1: Yeah. Was that the long death? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I
4: think it was. So are we supposed to uh, assume that he's been dreaming this whole time? And it's just like a regular thing for him now?
1: Yeah. I don't know. He says that it's, it's that suit that he's wearing ever since he's been in that suit. That's like Yosef. Yeah. That's when he's been dreaming so johan falls back into the water and abe swims past him and he's fishman abe but like the first version and his movement as he swims is like helping remove Langdon's clothes i really like that it all just seems so animated to yeah. me yeah. like as he falls back and then you see abe like swim past it's just really well done i love how so this scene it, yeah. plays out it's
3: very dynamic a lot of sense of movement yeah is static
1: johan gasps up out of the water and he's in the old school bagman suit why am I gasping, he asks himself. Uh-huh. I'm not even breathing. How can that be? My head feels... It feels what, Johan? It feels weird? Well, you should see it. And then we see Damio, but Yikes. now he's like the scarred version and he shoots Johan. Blam! The bagsuit goes flying all wibbly, wobbly... You know into the yellow and I do want to focus like how it flies away it's almost like a balloon as it like flies around the room just like yeah it's almost kind of humorous too to see this like he looks like one of those um, at the dealerships or the whatever arm, <laughs> the arm tube flailing there you yeah. go yeah but I do want to focus in on that um, because we'll see that imagery more. And so we have this great cut over to Panya's menagerie. Remember all these weird animal hybrids that she made with the ON Society guys yeah, over in good. Indonesia? And I just love how they just smash over to that and just all these weird animals. It's really great.
2: I, I'd actually kind of like, not that I forgot about them, but they were just out of my mind. I was yeah. like, oh yeah. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, it's good that they kept those indoors. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Panya is concerned about budget cuts, and so budget cuts were also mentioned in Flesh and Stone, because remember, when they started out in the beginning, they were like, woohoo, we got all this new equipment, and then at the end, they were like, oh, now they've cut everything, right?
2: Right. Don't waste your goddamn grenades, guy.
1: (laughs) Panya says the animals get less food, and she worries about them. She wanted the Bureau to free them, but she fears they'll be hunted for food. Um, I don't really think anyone's going to want to eat those things, Liz responds. Hey, what did we name that one guy? Kevin? <laughs> Marbles. Marbles,
0: yeah.
4: <laughs> oh, that yeah, Marbles. Kevin. Look how, look how Kevin, he's like, tapping Kevin on was, the
3: glass. Kevin was uh, like, one of the names before we settled on Marbles. There like, we
4: go, yeah. Oh, the, okay. Yeah.
1: What were we going to say? <laughs> how he's tapping on the glass. Yeah, that's so cute. I love that.
3: Full name is Kevin Marbles.
1: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Look, you come and go, but Ollie never forgets you, Ponya says. And so we see Ollie, her cat, purring on Liz. I really like that, too. She got that little kitty when she was first brought to the BPRD.
2: The cat's gotten big. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Johan interrupts. He's been looking for Liz. Phoenix told him. Liz is surprised because Phoenix isn't Johan's biggest fan. A sentiment that seems to be gaining popularity, Johan says. And I remember there were some scenes where Johan and Phoenix kind of went at it, right? Like, he told her to grow up and all this kind of stuff, and then she left, and then she came back, and she was like, I'm ready to fight. Remember that? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. She called him out for being in the cafeteria with eating the ghost beef.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Johan tells Liz when he was alive, it was easier to make mistakes, to be forgiven. He tells Liz about the events of the long death johan abandoned his squad to look for daimyo and instead the were jaguar found the team liz mentioned that she burned her neighborhood to the ground and according to everyone at the bureau she did a lot worse at the events of king of fear and i really love these panels too kind of flashing back on we see the were jaguar just like tearing up all these people and then we see these great panels of liz um there's a great comment in the sketchbook about this too you know like sniper so mm-hmm. took these two panels and then with the second one he wanted to make it bigger you know and just yeah, more I was dynamic right yeah
2: so wait does liz not remember what happened during the king of
1: i think she was underground she was underground mm. and then she ended up in france somehow so i don't know what happened there okay with, uh, i don't know that anyone that's ever been revealed yeah uh,
2: there's like a whole story how she went from there to when we ran into her in the and she was
1: powerless too at the time yeah Yeah. when we ran back into her because she asked those guys for a light i suppose that's why i came to you johan says i see where this is going all those people dead how can i live with myself right liz asks
3: she has no time for his shit yeah i love that she's like yeah how do i live with myself is that what you're getting at right okay cool great It must be exhausting. I wonder how many grunts have come to her like, I was just wondering like, because you know what it's like, man. And she's just like, please, please.
1: I couldn't. For a long time, I couldn't. But life just wasn't going to let me not find a way, a way to live with it, a way to get back to helping people. Don't you worry that you could make things worse? After all, you're a force of destruction, Johan says. You know what's out there, Johan, Liz responds. There's no diplomatic solution. Destructions are only hope. So, if it's okay with you, I'll hold off on the self-pity until after I've destroyed all of them. And behind her, we just get these images of these just amazing, grotesque Ogre Hems. So,
3: she's saying basically, your priorities are
1: reversed.
3: Yeah. Why don't you fucking focus on how to help people who need your help, how to destroy these things that need to be destroyed, how to do your job and, you know, do the most good. Focus on that and you'll be fucking... That's, that's my plan so Mm -hmm. that's i don't have anything else for it and he's just kind of obsessed with this other shit about himself or whatever. so it's very
1: well he kind of catches himself in this next scene because he's like well you know i shouldn't talk to you like that that's exactly what my problem is i'm not human he says a man is in vapor people are flesh and blood they sweat and they shower they smile they get angry they hurt they die i don't understand any of those things anymore and yet you rattled that list off pretty quick liz says look you're still human you're just disconnected disconnected in a way you can never understand johan says and i have more guilt than you could ever bear pissing contest is over liz says i win you just have to try a little harder to reconnect with your humanity is all and johan's like how she goes i don't know try petting a cat and then so she has Ollie there and she turns it to Johan and it just like hisses and goes crazy. <laughs> I love that.
4: He's a real paradox. Like his ability is the same thing that holds him back. And Liz is the same way. I mean, her yeah, power yeah. is a curse too, but she spent her time meditating on it, going to live with those monks, That's trying right, to yeah. find meaning and purpose. She's very action
3: oriented. She's very solution oriented. She's not going to fucking wallow and cry woes me. She's going to fucking do something about it. Yeah,
4: well, she's got physical form. I mean, I think think Johan, the reason I call him a paradox is because it's tragic. It's like he has a purpose, but he does not do himself or anyone else a real service in that form. But there is a purpose for him. Right. So, in the meantime, maybe if I were him, I'd be like, look, I'm not going to do the hanging out with people thing. Sure. Sorry. Right. right. Yeah, I'm going to hang out with Ghost because I can do that. Yeah. And I've always wondered why he doesn't do that more often. Well, right. he wants to be part you of the,
3: he values being a part of this team. He values the, the people in his life. Right. Yeah. It's a real paradox.
4: a It's weird. It just, it it has never worked. And I love that the comics always go back to that. It does not work for this guy. Right.
3: I like, I like when he's like, ah, that's what my problem is. She's like, what is your problem? (laughs)
4: It's
1: a very Liz response.
4: And that cat freaks out, but it's totally cool the whole time she's yelling. Probably because she's like omitting heat,
1: you know? Sure. Oh, right. It's probably pretty warm. Well, he's cuddling
3: and snuggling, and as soon as she like, Kind of moves him away from her body. He's like, "What is this?"
1: Yeah,
2: that look on that cat's face is like bullshit. Yeah, the look on the cat's face is not good before he screams. Yeah, he's pissed. <laughs> yeah. He's like,
3: "Hey,
2: what are you doing?" Well, I was because the cat's
4: probably like, "There's nobody there." That's a cold
1: jaw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, over in the BPRD commissary, so we see all these BPRD grunts and they're like having all this small talk and they're alluding to something that happened on the plane. And Kraus didn't do squad. Just sat there, the rest of the flight, trying to make small talk. Jerk off. He's <laughs>
3: calling him a jerk off. He's like, jerk off. Yeah.
1: And then he says, Nichols gets right up and crosses his face and cusses him out. I swear it's the first time I ever saw a man scare a ghost. And then so they all start laughing, <laughs> oh, except for Gervish. You notice noticed that she doesn't laugh. And then they all look up, and Kate's right there, just oh, scowling at all man. of them with her, with her cafeteria tray. I love that.
2: <laughs> man fucking we've said it a zillion times we well, i fucking love kate right yeah, she's great just that one look He's and everybody's boss. all like boom.
1: and so uh i love the expression of this guy too afterwards his eyes are all wide this it's one good. guy and she tries to talk to gervish but she kind of blows him off just like nichols did she says you need to talk to agent kraus so then kate goes over and to johan's room and she opens the door she looks so tired i'm sorry she's just like oh
0: god (laughs) i'm just trying to eat my lunch already right now jeez bullshit
1: she goes over to johan's room and the door is open so she kind of just like it kind of opens up more when she knocks on it and then she sees the scrapbook on his desk and again this is that scrapbook from bprd the dead
3: i love the here it says black flame question mark when that who the fuck else could it be it's very right, clearly it, obviously the black fucking flame well
4: they would have they, that would have been his reappearance so they're like he's back right, right? yeah, yeah.
3: Oh, okay like why is it the black because they
1: thought he was dead
3: not is it the black flame why is it the black flame <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and just to refresh your memory the pictures were of uh, Ryman distal black flame the crimson lotus with the no mass monkey memnon saw something coming out of the ground in malines the steel hawk, and the sledgehammer armor. And we kind of see all that here. I like how they give us a better version of that Memnon Saw picture because in the Guy Davis one, it's real blurry and kind of obscured. You can't really see it. And then she also notices on Johan's lamp, there's like a little shell hanging there on a necklace, and it's got that mm-hmm. Abe symbol drawn on it yeah. too. yeah. I want to make one of those now. That's all, That's what I was thinking as I was like, man, that would be easy to make.
2: So next time you go to the so, beach, look for that kind of shelf. Yeah.
1: Think about how much
4: this artist has had to reference in older comics right. already. He had the seance that Johan did w- during his catastrophe.
1: Oh, right.
4: Burning her house down as a kid. He's drawn all those characters in their original form and in another form. Abe isn't even in that form anymore. You know what I mean? This guy is running the gamut. Yeah, he had to do all of Ponya's like zoo or whatever. Right, go back and look at all those weird animals. (laughs) He, they they must have been like, okay, the script is light, but there's a book of
1: reference you need to check out. Wow, that is so interesting to think about. I love that. We cut over, and we see Marbles the Pelican Monkey. Marbles. And he hears somebody, like, tinkering. We we have all these nice sound effects. And he sees Johan, like, working on something. Like, he's in all these supplies, and there's all these, like, little metal bits strewn about. Johan turns to look at it. Like, it's almost like he senses that something's there. I love the pacing in this, too. There's so much. Um, you can infer so much out of just, like, a yeah. faceless mask. Just how they what they do with his body and the panels but it's like he feels like something's there and he turns around and it's gone they don't like each other either right johan has remember yeah. he chased after that thing and he was like where are you going because he saw it take the keys
2: did he were he and panya going at it at one time yes because
1: because johan thought that panya sent that little pelican monkey to do yeah. the, to get the key and do all that stuff yeah. oh and then
2: when she messing with him when he's like trying to oh she made the that...
1: thing touch the yeah <laughs> God, that was awful <sighs> oh man that was such a long time ago though so we we get this great page uh we see johan open the door to this back like dumpster area and there's <laughs> i thought it was so funny there's all these animals Raccoons having a party and, back there
3: yeah crows and stuff
1: <laughs> they're like rifling through all the trash that's just a funny little detail that they put in there i just really it's enjoyed cute. that well, I'll tell you, Colorado
4: raccoons are ten times the size too. <laughs> oh no! Oh wow! <laughs> Those are small for for out here. Oh, man, they live in the sewers. Wow! They like yeah. climb in and out of. the... I've seen them. No,
3: we drain. over here too. We've yeah. got sewer raccoons yeah.
1: as well. <laughs> this is so we slide side- right in there. I don't want to. I don't want to get too sidetracked. But I wrote a short story about a were raccoon. Nice. After we oh, saw cool. a giant raccoon. I remember like that. that story. That's yeah. a good story. <laughs> that
3: was a good one.
1: We saw a raccoon that was so big sliding into the sewer. Yeah. And I was like, it just made me think of like Ooh. raccoon men or something yeah. like that or were raccoons. Anyway. Nice. We <laughs> and so Johan, he's outside in this back area and he looks up at the sky and this detail Gorgeous. is just incredible, beautiful. right? Really just beautiful amazing.
2: work. Oh man, it's it's co- These these bottom two panels, like when I zoom in on the iPad, it's just like, yeah, mm-hmm.
3: I stared at these three pages I, went, I was just going back and forth over the pages oh, over
2: yeah. and over again. The pacing for a long in this is really time, great.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, all this happened. It's really silent.
2: In the sketchbook, I think it's like Sniper was talking about drawing the stars. It was like difficult, but worth it. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Well worth it, it was- for sure, for the reader, anyway, as far as I'm concerned. I think it's, yeah. Glad that he put so much effort into that because it really comes across.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Those stars reminded me of something the first time I ever read this. I didn't think it was the sky.
1: Johan looks down into his hand and he has a small tool. God be with me, he says. And he uses the tool to turn this valve on the back of his helmet. And it starts letting the ectoplasm out. And so over this next page, like he lifts off the helmet. And then his ectoplasm is just all wispy. It goes just into the air.
3: If I saw these three pages with no context, I would still think this is one of the most brilliant amazing beautiful yeah pieces of sequential art you know i've ever seen i mean it really seriously if you just handed these three pages someone said read these i think they'd be impressed yeah i really like this a lot i just kept staring at these three pages for a long time first time i read this
1: yeah and and when you're left with this at the end of an issue especially when you're reading it month to month you're like What the shit just happened? Did he just like let him, like, what is going on right now? You know what I mean? Like, what did I just read? What an incredible way to end that issue. Just the way that the suit kind of, like, collapses and all that. The way he takes the helmet off, like, right on that last page. It's just, um, there's a lot of emotion to just this wispy ectoplasm coming out. Yeah, it just, like, turns into
3: ether and it's very...
1: yeah
4: everyone thought that he killed himself that's what everyone yeah. that's what no. all of the reader reactions. they were like oh no
1: yeah talk about a cliffhanger yeah chapter two so on this first page we see nichols and kate reacting to i guess they went out there and they found the suit suicide nichols says how's he about to kill himself free can't even die yes he can kate says the way his spirit was separated from his body makes his relationship with death unique, I know. But if Johan wanted to die, he could. Oh that's nice, huh? Only dying when you want to, Nichols says. That's exactly what suicide is, Agent Nichols, Kate responds. Fucking asshole. Okay, I got you. But you don't know that's what he did. All you know is he ain't here. Right, he's not here, which means I don't get his report. No more excuses, Kate says. You're gonna tell me what happened on that mission now. Yeah, she screams okay, now. One,
4: one thing, this is the same slab in the same room that they put Roger's remains on.
1: Oh, right. Wow. Remember
4: when Johan communicated oh, with him? Yeah, yeah, you're right. And Kate was off trying to figure
1: out a way to save him? Yeah. Wow. He was right there. We get this flashback of what happened, and just first of all, this scene is really messed up. Oh, like, yeah, this it's is fucked one of, up. This is one of those scenes where it's kind of like, it's such a good bit of writing but it's also like, uh, but you know this shit would happen, too. Oh. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, this kind of stuff would happen, and it probably does happen. They have to explore And it's just this. so tragic, but it's also, like, good writing. I just, uh, oh, I don't yeah. know how to yeah. describe it, but it's just like, Arcudi is so great at these <laughs> kind of moments. So these Kansas locals, they're shooting at the BPRD agents who are all hiding behind a bus, and it's apparently been going on for a while. Damn, when these crackers going to run out of ammo, Nichols says. <laughs> <laughs> Johan tells Enos that he has to hit him with the grenades. And so Enos has the grenade launcher. We've seen that in the previous stories as well. He loves his
2: grenade launcher.
1: And he's been trying to. Johan says Enos needs to sight the target. Well, first of all, we know it's him, especially because he's got that make it go boom yeah. on his helmet. And well, he's we, got, we, the, we've he's so, got the shades on, too, right. and everything. The pacing is so good because he's, like, gonna do it. And then he comes back and he's like, why? He asks Johan why he has to do this. According to the briefing, it's their motel. It's only reported that they have a dangerous creature, Enos says, when Johan tries to use that argument. And even if they do, what's it got to do with him, Enos asks. I was thinking about this because Enos has been, like, slipping lately, or he's kind of been, you know, lately, like, we saw him drawing that Abe symbol in Reign of the Black Flame, and then there was that one scene in Flesh and Stone, he went on this big long speech and he said, what if we're losing because we're fighting? yeah you know and he was basically saying like he was starting to already think like why are they doing this what's the point of all this which we've seen other members we've seen even Mm -hmm. when roger was alive he wondered at moments what was the purpose of these missions enos tries to give johan the launcher this isn't my fight anymore and johan reminds him that he's under military law he can resign but not during an operation nichols is like they'll throw you in the brig And Gervish says he could be labeled as a deserter. I noticed on her helmet it says, gee whiz. I like that little detail (laughs) too. I think
3: think there's some provision of like, you don't have to obey an illegal order or an immoral order or something like that. If you're given an order that's super fucked up, you don't have to do it. But then you, I mean, you also have to go through some sort of fucking hearing or tribunal to determine what happened some investigation has to happen and then they have some sort of like private court right so there's no guarantee that you'll actually be able to prove that you were disobeying it in the correct way or whatever the fuck so i don't know i guess there's this some gray area as far as this guy is concerned but the rest of them are just like well he told you to do it so you have to right kind of thing so
1: there's a moment where he's just there still holding the grenade launcher, but then he finally decides to comply. Sounds like they're reloading, he says. Fire in the hole, you psycho, jayhawker, crack. Enos gets shot right in the eye.
3: Yeah, like I'm thinking, how long does it take to say that phrase? It feels <laughs> like that phrase goes on forever. Fire in the hole, you psycho, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you're standing there for a long fucking time. Right. Right. Well, While people are, like, sh- actively shooting at y'all, you're just a fucking target right now. What What a fucking idiot. This guy's a moron.
1: Well, he does get the rockets off when yeah, he goes Yeah, I mean, he there, shoots it, yeah.
3: but I think, like, when you're being fired up, what, you, you shoot back and then you take cover again, right? Like, what is this right. grandstanding weirdo? He's...
2: But I mean, that's how he's always been. I huh? know, yeah. and it's
3: infuriating, and he got exactly what was fucking coming to him. I mean, jeez. You can't act like that forever until, yeah. I mean, you're going to get shot.
2: Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't really want the guy to, I thought he was annoying, but I didn't want him to die. I yeah. didn't say I wanted him to die.
3: <laughs> I said it was inevitable that that was going to fucking happen if he kept acting like that. Yeah. I mean, sorry, like, you're going to run around in the middle of a fucking firefight yelling stuff. You're going to get shot.
2: Yeah. My question is, the guy who shot him, was that a really lucky shot? Right. Or was he really that? It's a really good shot. Right? Yeah. yeah. I don't
3: know
1: i mean that's right in the fucking eye yeah
3: that's gruesome
1: son of a bitch Nichols responds but enos also got his two grenades off we can't think about that now he did a man's job johan says and we must honor it by succeeding and so they start approaching and then gervish gets shot too and she falls backwards and i'm just like fuck what the fuck is going on while i'm reading this it's just like uh luckily she only cracked a rib thanks to the body armor and they scramble back behind the bus. Nichols thinks Enos was right in saying they should withdraw. No, I don't think so, Johan says, looking over at Enos's dead body. Johan lets his ectoplasm out. Nichols Gervish screams out as Enos's dead body coughs up some blood and stands up. Wait here, it says. What'd you think about <laughs> that? You're just like did yeah, you did you, awesome. did, you did you see that coming or
2: not really, but once it happened i was like oh right johan can do this
3: yeah (laughs) yeah he's very you know hey whatever it takes to get this mission done am i right and everyone's just like looking at him with this look of fucking horror on their face like this is not read a fucking room dude like wow man
2: it's it's disrespectful to their friend (laughs)
3: right well well, that to them yeah i mean because but johan knows definitively that it's not that that that, is, that body is a husk. It's an object. Oh, yeah. It's right. not anything he can use anymore. So what good is it for him? Nothing. He's a spirit. He can directly fucking communicate with this guy. Yeah. Oh, I know. So yeah, but it's one of those things where so he's looking at it like, oh, well, this is something I can use. Perfect.
2: Because he's, he's done it before. How yeah. convenient. And right. everyone
3: else is like horrified. Yeah. To oh, toast the most tone deaf thing he could have done. Just fucking wow.
2: But I mean, it also kind of makes sense because like this way, you know, enos is already dead just use the husk to take it all down yeah no
3: that's what i'm saying but yeah. like they do not
4: obviously, oh yeah no no they, they, do, not they do not understand not like it. that
2: better. no i thought it was horrible to be honest with you
4: so yeah there's there's really no protocol for whether or not he should do that
1: <sighs> right right he I just think does about it that.
3: but he's done this no, in the I past mean- he went through there. a whole bunch of them one time. One right after the other, and they were cool with it. We're all, they were like, yeah, Well, there do was it. one
1: guy that was even like, let me help you. And he just like killed himself. Yeah, they were on that? board. Yeah.
3: They were super. So like the the glaring difference between that team and this team
1: right you i didn't know, even is, think about that that's a good point very I, interesting I did, forget a bit. I did forget about that
3: it's such a contrast as i you know what's happened what's happened since then you know what i mean yeah. like it was they've gone well, I mean, through a lot of changes as far that as that was the russian team versus exactly. the american
1: team too yeah they've,
3: and yeah but and bprd itself has gone through a lot of protocol changes yeah. since then like it's very who's well, running this joint kind of a thing
2: that and it's also um I mean, they've they've been through so much and they've lost so many friends. Yeah. And so, like, these are, like, some of their last people around. Right. Yeah.
3: And I, you know, I can kind of see Johan's side of it, like, hey, so literally monsters have taken over the Earth. you think that this matters or could I just go ahead and do the mission? Right. And everyone else is just like, no, our friend's body. he's, uh."
2: He's actually doing what Liz told him to do, you know. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, I can see how true. it would yeah. be
3: uncomfortable, but I can also see how, look, this is kind of what we do. It's a paranormal army. Yeah. So sometimes that's going to happen. I wonder if there's maybe, like you said, there's no protocol for this. So I wonder if there's maybe, <laughs> I can just imagine Kate getting a folder together of like a briefing, like, okay, guys, you're going <laughs> on the field with Johan. Like, if any of you die, he might need to resurrect yeah. your zombie body and use it. Everybody so find this form. If everybody's <laughs> cool with it, you know, it might be gruesome and weird and like you might see your friend's dead body walking around. So if you're not cool with that, like just tell me. Right. So we can They the need to do that. They need and, to have that meeting. Yeah.
2: She might be like, if well, you're I not did... cool with that, deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> well this further illustrates
4: the contrast I was trying to draw earlier between yeah. Liz and Johan. Whereas Liz's ability is a power and Johan's ability is ability right yeah this, wow. I wouldn't say it's his superpower it's like an unfortunate side effect of his death yeah right. yeah and and he's not like living with it he's after living with it yeah which is <laughs> I always refer to that as like the messiest thing that can happen if you're trying to figure out what does it all mean right and so to be able to even though it's not like a casual, scene he just kind of casually takes over people's dead corpses Right, he and that, doesn't
3: give it a second thought and yeah.
4: keeps going and it's like well I can do it so I'm gonna do it
3: yeah why you wouldn't know? I do this perfect yeah right. but just
4: imagine if we could all do it right. like after a while we'd be like should we be doing this I don't know
3: <laughs> right just thinking about how like you know we haven't really seen this reaction yet I think from people like I think
4: they're over it yeah but know? I'm saying like yeah. people
3: haven't been just this horrified before and now they are. Yeah. So they're they're the opposite of over it. They're like this is the first time I've ever seen anyone protest against this.
1: Yeah. It's and it's pretty it, it is pretty gruesome uh, what happens here. And I think that's also like it was their team member. They've been with, they've been together for so long. But so using enos's dead body, Johan blasts the shooters and it's getting more and more damaged he calls to let him secure the area first, and then he's hit with a grenade, and it blasts off one of Enos' legs and half of his face, and Johan continues with the grenade launcher, and then the blast back of the grenade launcher blows off one of Enos' hands, and the remains are all fucked up and destroyed, and then he's just like, all clear, let's move in. And this goes on over pages of just the body getting more mangled and all this kind of stuff.
3: Sorry, I'm thinking about consent forms, like... Like you you would have to consent to have your dead body possibly yeah. Yeah. taken over too. Yeah. Like what that's a, that could be a whole shit. Yeah, yeah. Talk about although a I guess organ there's, donor. <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> although I guess there's no real there's no governments anymore are there because they're talking about the u.n right is the, the u.n still intact yeah. so that's yeah, kind it's of running things so like are there laws because it seems like a lot of places maybe they're just kind of like fuck that shit it's right. the end of the fucking i mean who's there world. to the apocalypse. enforce it yeah. yeah anyway sorry there's I'm obviously
1: just... so much fucked up stuff going yeah. on right
3: i was thinking about i guess like before this took place like this was this was not even a protocol that they had he would just fucking do it right it's kind of weird anyway
1: and this panel again, it's like this is so gruesome, but there's something hilarious about this panel where he's like, yeah, "Excuse me, Agent funny. Choi, I require some aid." And like, <laughs> like they're gonna lift him up, like, and then it made me think, like, why is he asking them to help him up? Like, just float back just over float to the back suit. Over the, why are
3: you in Like, that
1: What is the purpose body? of this? Like, once he gets in the body, he wants to stay in there or something. And he's like, Agent Nichols, if you could help me find a crutch. Agent Krause, I don't think nobody wants to help you. See it from where we are. 20 minutes ago, we was trying to keep Enos out of jail. Bad enough he had to die. That's gonna happen, yeah, but bad enough. To see his body after that stand up? To see it get shot up, blown apart, and still talking? I know why you did what you did, but I think now you better get back to your suit. And while he's talking, we just get these shots of the Enos' body all mangled. It's just... There's something about this scene where it's just. Uh, that had to be know. explained to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He had
3: no fucking clue.
1: Yes, I should have thought of that, Johan says as they all walk away, and he's like, huh, he finds that necklace. Enos was wearing it, the shell with the Abe symbol on it.
4: Uh, can I nitpick over something? Sure. This is insignificant, but the card on Nichols' helmet is a spade here,
2: and previously, I'm pretty sure it was a club. Oh, oh you are no. so right. Oh. When a Gervish is shot it's a club.
1: Oh interesting. Okay. It's silly.
2: (laughs) Makes no difference. It was a
3: spade the first time we see him.
4: Oh. But it's a club right here. Where? Makes no difference whatsoever. (laughs) It's just if you read it enough that stuff comes to the surface. Sure.
1: With the defense down the agents inspect all these people and there are all these women and kids. The woman says they're just trying to carry on a mission you got the guns now do what you want but ain't none of us gonna help you she says i'll show you this little girl goes over and they're like no leticia and she like pulls off this tarp and reveals this like horrible disgusting embryo like creature and so they decide to throw over enos's leftover grenades no you can't you got no right the women scream And so they throw it and it like blows up and the women are all screaming and they're all in despair. Yeah, they're really like losing it over this. And Gervish looks upset. When they ask what they'll do with the women, Johan says they weren't part of their objective. He'll call in for transport when they're done here. So that also seems very cold too after this thing happened. And then they're like, hey, what are you going to do about here? He's like, ah, well, we'll, someone else will deal with that. (laughs) I don't think we're done just yet, Nichols says. No, Agent Nichols. Not quite. And then so we see that they've put like a little grave. There's like a post coming out of a mound and they've got the helmet on there. Make it go boom. Over on the helicopter, Nichols is like, damn, that was hard. I mean, it was bad. Not worse than New York, Gervish says. Bureau armed us to the teeth back then. Here, nobody told us we're facing a firefight, Nichols responds. I always expect to get shot at. Always, Gervish says. It's those kids and the mothers that did it to me. I couldn't even tell you what's worse. The bunch of them crying over losing that giant caterpillar fetus? God. Or me feeling sorry for them. I mean, if we're just fighting people again, what's the... And then Johan interrupts this moment that they're having. Do any of you know what this is? I found it on Agent Enos. That stupid shell. Yeah. And they're just like, what the fuck? Like, they're so mad at him. They're having this moment where they're talking about how they feel about this situation and how traumatic it was for them. And then he just interrupts them to ask about the show. I
3: actually don't understand this moment because he says, you went through his pockets. Like they're all horrified that he did that. But I don't know why I have this impression. I'm not a soldier. I've never been a soldier. I don't think about this. But I would feel like if you're very far away from home on a mission and one of your comrades dies, wouldn't you – see if they have anything important on them to take back to their loved ones before right. you bury them. Okay. Like, wouldn't you, if they're wearing a necklace or if they've got anything in their pockets, wouldn't you look for that stuff so that you could right. bring it back with you and give it to their their next of kin or whoever? Right? Like, isn't that a thing? Like, you know, they take the yeah, dog yeah, tags right. and they yeah. take the whatever, the photograph that they've got or – the watch you know
1: (laughs) and johan he's like no i was just removing the armor and it fell but nichols is really pissed about this and he's like you know i've seen you do that before but this time i knew the man ain't about the necklace anymore it's about you using enos body like a broken puppet moving his arms and legs talking at us out of his dead throat and i was thinking about that too like hearing the person that's dead talking Mm, it would be in their voice and stuff like that that is so messed up yeah he's pissed johan says i saved lives didn't save his, Nichols says. Why don't you go and fire off those grenades yourself? You do that, Eno still be alive, too. And you. Worst case, you just be here inside your damn spare suit. And so there we see Nichols is taking out the suit from his backpack. Yeah. So, Matt, you pointed that out earlier how the backpack was open. We see him taking out that bubble suit. You don't even need it. Any of us, we could be a spare suit you got a thousand graveyards full of spare suits. And so Nichols opens the door to the helicopter and he throws the bubble suit out. You don't need it. And we just see the bubble suit again, kind of like how we saw it earlier, all flying wibbly wobbly in that dream. Here we see it kind of flying all crazy like that down to the ground. So it's the exact same drawing. Oh, really? Yeah, so he was,
4: Johan was dreaming about what he saw. Nice. Oh, okay. Because he had that dream afterwards, right? Wow. Yeah, and that just seeing that
1: suit like that is—it's so weird, right? Yeah, it is. It really stands out. And so afterwards, we cut back to Kate and Nichols. Nichols is telling her the story, and there's just a beat where they're just standing there. That was a little more complex than I was expecting. Kate says, "I see. <laughs> <laughs> I see Johan's point of view. Me too." Nichols says. He ain't evil. But it's like you said, he can't die less he wants to, so maybe it just ain't that big a deal to him. Maybe it shouldn't be to us, but it is. Whatever, I can't take orders from a commander like that. Hell, I can't even talk to him, Nichols says. Maybe you don't have to worry about that anymore, Kate says. You think he really killed himself, Nichols asks? Who knows? It's not as if a search party will do us any good. Yes. There's more to discuss, of course. Your behavior on that transport was way out of line. But right now, I'm just tired. We pick up back where Enos was buried, and the little girl, Letitia, there. She's wearing the helmet.
3: And smoking a cigarette, which yeah. the mother never addresses. So she smacks the helmet on She's wearing the helmet. That is yeah. the, the only <laughs> was thing she mentions. That. That's good, yeah. Does not give a shit that she's smoking cigarettes. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> and the little girl says she was just trying to keep warm. The woman says she'll end up like that bubblehead freak. From wearing the helmet, she's going to end up so means. stupid. Anyway. Yeah. Take it back where you found it and wash yourself, especially your hair, she says. And as she takes it back, she hears the crunching of someone walking, and it's all dark, and so she gets scared. Mama, mama, someone's coming. And so we see Johan, and he's in the bubble suit. So he released himself from there and went and found the suit where Nichols threw it out of the helicopter. Chapter three. And this is another great cover. All these covers with Johan, and so... This one is really interesting. It's got the graveyard. That's what Johan's thinking about. And this issue um, definitely kind of goes along with that theme. We open on the woman and the girl, and they're watching Johan through night vision goggles. He's just sitting at Enos' grave on an abandoned car seat. They talk about what he might be doing. Is he the same one as last time? Because like he's in a different suit. So they're like, is he that same guy? Yeah. Is he a spaceman? And is there a planet of him? <laughs> is he Italian? <laughs> oh, Something's happened, the woman says. Something's happening. We see Johan let out his ectoplasm, and it goes into Enos's grave. And then Enos emerges from the grave. Hey, Johan, he says.
2: a little smirk on his face. Yeah. He's, all like, he's
1: all like, I'm dead. <laughs> What's up? Even though Enos is dead, he still has his attitude. He talks about how he's a civilian now, that he's resigned from the BPRD. We're equals now. Call me by my first name, he tells Johan. And so Johan doesn't know it. Yeah, that's what I figured, he says.
3: Oh, man. Kieran and Culkin. Oh, that's that's a good Enos? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh. Perfect. (laughs) He's a
3: good smartass.
1: Johan apologizes to Enos and tells him his death could have been avoided. Eno says, Johan's the only one who can avoid death. He says it could be today, tomorrow, or 50 years from now. We all meet our maker, but that doesn't include you. Is that true, Johannes? Earlier tonight, I was sure it wasn't. I go from body to body, and I wonder, how many lives does my maker owe me? A few more, or none? And while he's talking, we get this flashback in the background. We see all these different things that he's taken over. So we see the dog from BPRD the dead. And when he was a super buff beefcake in the killing ground. And then thank you for Matt for the research assist on this one from the long death where he shows up in the dead cop. Look at all the stuff this
4: artist is drawing from previous yeah. issues. Yeah. He is. This is the most
1: I've ever seen in one That's series. A lot. Right. It's going to make for some good posts this week. <laughs> I mean, he's oh, not shit, even done. Right? Look at the next page. It, yeah. just, it just keeps going. Enos tells Johan when he gets to heaven to look him up, and they'll eat ambrosia. In Greek myth, ambrosia <laughs> was the food of the gods. And so Enos knows something about that, I guess. Johan's not sure he's going to heaven. Enos said, Johan did his best. There's always going to be mistakes. I've not always done my best. no. And where it all started, I cannot be said to have made a mistake, Johan says. And so we get another flashback, just like Matt alluded to, to the Stanovoy Mountains from BPRD, the Black Goddess. And we know that Johan killed a monk there, but here we actually get the scene to see what happens. And it seems like it was an accident, right? Like the monk is like getting louder and louder. And when Johan, like he almost like slashes him as a reaction and he's telling him quiet when he does that. And then he's like, no, 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 when the guy's like dying, that sucks. Yeah, that really sucks. But there was also something that I was thinking about because we talked about this at the time too. Did the lobster have anything to do with this? I don't know, man. Because the lobster was yeah. trying to get back there to Memnon Sa, and that, and then he like shot him right, or he did something at the end.
2: Well, we just assumed oh, yeah. at the time that it was the lobster taking over and he's the one that killed the thing. But yeah. this makes it seem slightly different.
1: Yeah, I was wondering, where is that? You know, was it all Johan? Did the lobster play any part in that? Or I just wonder about things like that. And Johan's puzzled about how Enos would know all this. Ah, uh, come off it, Joanne, he says. So he's, he's still weird. calling him that. <laughs> <laughs> he says that he knows Johan really wants to talk to him to, to learn about the Abe symbol on that pendant yes tell me what is it Johann says is it religious or political well let me ask you a question eno says what makes you think i'm even here this morning your spirit slipped on my body like a flight suit and rushed into battle now if my spirit was still in there you couldn't have done that so easily could ya? but that's where you came looking for me you looked right down here in this grave right inside my body but I'm not there. And the ectoplasm is like going back into Johan's bubble suit. And he's like, wait. Mm -hmm. And he's just left standing there. So what happened? Let's talk about that. Was he just, was that just him talking to himself as Enos, thinking about all the things that Enos would say, or did, was Enos really there? Or what is this?
2: That's like, such an
1: Enos thing to do, too. Yeah, sure. to, to be like, is this, is this really even happening, motherfucker? You know, now I'm gone.
2: Well, it felt like a, um, <laughs> it felt like, like like Enos was an echo of Enos. Essence. Right. Maybe he's getting something off like his dead brain. Mm-hmm. No, but that was all blown to shit. Never mind. I don't know. It's like an echo. Well, <laughs> right. think
4: about... So, when Johan does this, my sense is that he's only picking up on the essence of the person, not the spirit. Because he even says, if my spirit was in there, well, how would you know it happened? Right. So is that like your essence knows? Like some sort of lingering thought know, process? But think about when he let his ectoplasm out onto Roger's remains, trying to talk to him. And I was like, oh, he's we're going to see Roger as ectoplasm. But no, he ends up in this cavernous place. Right, and yeah. leads out into a field You know, and it's so weird. It's like you don't know what's going to happen when Johan does that.
1: Right, yeah.
4: But I I don't think, I mean, he would be doing it a lot more often if it served a greater purpose. Right. Hmm. So I think his main ability is to inhabit dead people and use their corpses, unfortunately. Right. Because this is touching as this scene is. It leaves you wondering if it even happened. Right, yeah. He and did. if I was Johan, that would just suck. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of closure
1: is that?
2: Yeah, no, I mean, you're right, because like, he didn't say anything about the pendant, and everything he told him was stuff that Johan already knew.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. But it's also, like I said, that's what that's such an Enos thing to do, too, if it was him. To be like, right. I'm not really going to answer any of your questions. I'm going to leave you wondering... If this even happened. Yeah, I love that. They see Johan approaching the mom, I guess, and Letitia. And he approaches them and he asks if he can use a phone. And if they let him, he'll be out of their hair forever. And so Letitia's like, she'll, you know, tell him which one. And so she leads him to a room. Something
3: wrong with this girl. She's, there's something fucked up about this yeah, girl. Yeah.
1: And she's like, um, she's this morning, really I, <laughs> yeah, she's like, I this morning I really wanted to leave with you, but mama would have killed me. When my transport comes, I'll see what I can do, Johan says. That'd be nice. And she opens the door. Just fucking... And there's this enormous monster. Its maw is made up of all these like sharp quills all over its yeah, face. I don't know man. how to describe it. It's like a slug. No, that's but good. But on the front of it it's just got all these like spears. It's um it's
2: almost like a, a hatch version of what they found inside the pool. Yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah. It
1: is that thing, right? When it rolls up, it's that embryo looking thing and it breaks out and it chases after johan and the woman yells at him she's like you thought we was a pack of dumb rednecks didn't you bubble man thought we give up our brothers that easy your head must really be empty if you don't even know a shell game when you see it and then she gets totally trampled by the monster and stabbed all over and totally killed it is so messed up and then we see her body like being flung in the air
2: oh wait <sighs> was that like what was in the pool like the shell like you know like those certain bugs that pop out of their exoskeleton yeah because
1: it's in the sketchbook where they kind of draw it rolled up and then this is it out the spirit monsters they start coming out from all over there's more of them and they're going after everyone snibier really creates this panicked chaotic scene with all these mismatched panels over this double splash page i thought that was such a interesting way to frame all of this just maniacal monsters just killing all these people as johan runs away I know I should stay, I know I should, I should stay and help these people, but how? And we see him running off, and as he's running, we see this, like, speed limit sign, it says 65 miles an hour, radar enforced. Also, look at the sky. Yeah, we see, like, kind of all those stars, just like we saw earlier. Yeah, and we'll come back to that, but yeah, that's a nice echo of what we saw in that previous scene. It's not
2: really cool to, for, you know, a bunch of people to get fucking murdered. I mean, if you're going to worship monsters, monsters are going to kill you. Yeah, <laughs> really,
1: right?
3: I mean, this is another example of play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Right. Like, that's just a fucking, yeah. that's not a good plan. I, mean, I don't know if they, what stupid. they were fucking expecting, but.
1: When we cut over to the BPRD headquarters and we see these two guys, I guess they're searching for Johan. If the outer door was locked... Why do we have to check in there, one says. Because strange things happen in this place, Harvey, okay? Because if it was Johan, he could get in there, even if it was locked, right? Right.
2: Well, and then also strange things happen in yeah. that place.
1: <laughs> and so they open the doors, and they see marbles, and he's got the little helmet of Johan's Yosef suit, and he's, like, cradling it. Why you little? And they kind of go after him, and they chase him off.
3: Oh, no, Kevin, what happened?
1: Oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think he misses Johan. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah.
3: Aww.
1: Over with Johan, he's escaped the monsters for now, and he searches an abandoned car. And he finds a crowbar and a book of matches. And while he searches, he says the Fatima prayers. These are a collection of seven Catholic prayers associated with the Marian apparitions at Fatima, Portugal, in 1917. Of the seven prayers, the Rosary Decade Prayer is the most well-known and thus the most widely practiced, and that's the one that Johann is saying here. And so I like this little detail. It says Biff's Tavern. I couldn't find a Biff's Tavern. I looked um, to see if there was one. There's a lot of Biff's bars, and there's a lot of other places called Biff's, but I couldn't find a Biff's Tavern In Kansas or in anywhere. And so there's some nice pacing here because we see him searching the car and then when we turn the page, suddenly one of those monsters pierces through the car and Johan narrowly escapes. The monster is momentarily stuck, you know, in their car and it's like struggling to get out and then Johan throws a match into the gas tank. I love that. And he's got one of those like cool, I'm going to walk away from the flaming explosion moments on the next page. And as he walks back to the motel where the group was he says psalm 23 this is the 23rd psalm in the book of psalms generally known in english by the first verse in the king james version the lord is my shepherd for thou art with me he yells at the end when he gets to that part of it and he's just like in the motel i I just love that panel where he yells that part it's like really panned out and we see that body of that woman all like torn in half and stuff yeah it's pretty gruesome And that little girl, Letitia, comes out. Johan tells her to come down, but she doesn't trust him at first, but eventually she does. And she asks why he's being so nice. He tells her to go find the others, and he gives her the matches. Light a fire. They'll find you. Now go. And so she walks off. And as she walks off out of nowhere, suddenly Yotan gets totally speared by one of these monsters. And so I love he this. He tries to run. Yeah, right? he yeah. starts running off and like as he's running the ectoplasm is escaping. And so this is just really well done. Like the suit like slams into that speed sign that we saw earlier and the ectoplasm escapes and the suit just stays there, like Super all creepy. tangled up on the sign, just like yeah. all wibbly wobbly. It's just so uh I just really love that. Yeah, and there's some grey panels of that in the sketchbook. See so yeah, how it's when in that last panel when he's hanging off the sign,
4: it's juxtaposed with the make it go boom helmet. Right. right? Oh, yeah. right. He knows his yeah. grave. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. But Johan's not dead. Right. We know he can live without his suit at the end of this issue, unlike at the end of the first issue, we were worried about
1: it. Right. Okay. But
4: here it's like, it's not the same. It's just driving home the fact that Johan is that different. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. In, that, in that situation, he'll live right yeah Eno's gone
1: yeah i love that i didn't even think about that great job matt thank you for that back at the bprd headquarters in colorado kate wakes up and johan's just standing there Poor she's like kate. jesus christ oh, johan yeah a moment. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like wait you're alive the lucky seven motel in spencer kansas needs to be bombed immediately johan says God. caution is not needed i evacuated it myself this is an air force job You'll find my report on your desk. We can discuss it tonight. And she's like, Johan, where are you going? And he just turns around and walks off.
3: (laughs) Being Kate would be the most fucking frustrating, (laughs) annoying job.
1: And so then we get this last page. We focus in on a familiar helmet, right? This is the Sledgehammer Project Ephemitis armor helmet. And we start zooming out, and we see Johan has all the little pieces of the armor around him. And it just ends there. Now, he was researching that scrapbook, yes. right? He had it open on his desk, and a picture of Sledgehammer right there. Yeah, that was there. And so now we see that he's got the armor. So you know, And this and, was something like, this ending is so awesome, because I didn't even make this connection that this could happen. You know what I mean? Like I didn't even think like, oh, what if Johan got in the armor? Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Like... That, what, what did you guys think about this ending?
2: I mean, yeah, I, I didn't think about it. I mean, I hadn't thought about the armor since we read the story, and I yeah. was like, oh, shit.
1: How they bring all these things around mm. is so, it's just so smart and so well done. We'll talk about it more I'm always on waiting the next for the episode.
3: heel turn, but I know it's not going to happen, but I'm wondering if it is. So mm. it's one of those, it's one okay. of those moments where
1: they're yeah. like, what are you doing? so yeah i love that
3: he's he's is he gonna lean into the indestructible thing because this is very right tony stark built this in a cave (laughs) you know with a pile of scraps like i'm wondering what's where's this fucking going yeah
1: yeah Yeah. exactly but like We've seen even people with good intentions like Daimyo like, yeah. totally kill a bunch of people and do horrible Johan stuff. Johan has been yeah. the guy yeah. with good
3: intentions who fucks everything up yeah. time and time again. So I'm so just like, what happen? are you? Yeah. Why are you still? This oh,
1: is an obsession I now. I love that you bring that up. It's constant with him. Awesome.
3: It's just uh,
2: Well, I mean, he had to do something after he lost that second body. Daddy. No, he, I'm not saying he actually had to. I'm just saying he, no, yeah. he had to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> I,
3: I, I totally feel you. I absolutely, yeah. yeah. I know what you're laying down.
4: You got to go back to that uh, initial conversation/argument that Liz and Johan were having. The man is sitting here trying to figure out his purpose, he realizes he's not human, he doesn't know what to do, and Liz is saying destruction's our only hope. So he realizes, they both realize in that moment that Liz can at least go out there and kick a lot of ass. Yeah. And oh, Johan spends yeah. the next or the rest of the series dealing with the fact that he can't do that. Right. Yeah, okay, he blew up a car, but, you know, that's a book of matches and a gas tank. So he needs that stuff. He can't just do it himself. Right. And I think that, you know, if he was looking back through that scrapbook and seeing pictures of Sledgehammer and all that stuff, then maybe he... And didn't Kate come across that armor? Remember, she was lost? Yeah, yeah. In that kind of haunted house episode. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. That totally happened in the devil's. So you can. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So so you can see this stuff coming up off camera. Yeah. You know. And Johan is like trying to put his finger on it. And here at the end, he's like, okay, if it's all about containment and having the right form and my purpose, and maybe it's true, destruction is our only hope, then maybe I can do some damage too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that. that he I think it's been leading up to that. Right. And so I think I was sort of coming to that in my mind without really realizing it too because when he saw, you know, when those raccoons were going through the trash, <laughs> when he looked up at the sky and he says God, right? Yeah. I didn't see stars in the sky. I saw that really weird cosmos thing that happens inside the sledgehammer armor. Right. That's oh. what I thought of Yeah. When I first read it, and then at the end when I saw Sledgehammer, I was like, I don't know if I was technically right because I, I wasn't on to that, but they had me
1: thinking in that direction. They were, yeah, being the creators. Yeah, Yeah. laying some groundwork for that in these little details. I love that. Yeah, that's. I think if you read this
4: stuff enough and you get into it, and like I said, sometimes the readers glorify this stuff on our own, and other times they know we do that. Yeah. And so they would throw something out there like that and be like, I wonder if, you know, four or five of the real hardcore readers are going <laughs> to yeah think about this without knowing what they're actually thinking.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's makes I just want to say so much, but I, I can't right now. <laughs> yeah. So I did want to talk about the sketchbook. We're looking at page 360 in the digital omnibus. And we get some notes from the artist here. Snibeer says, Monsters, will it surprise anyone to hear that these are a blast to do? Thankfully, the BPRD never seems to run out of them. And I love this little cartoon at the bottom of Johan running away from these guys. But here you can see how they're all like curled up in that early stage.
2: Yeah, that, that, that little sketch at the bottom is kind of scooby
1: Dooish. <laughs> and we talked about that panel where his suit hits the post and then kind of like his ectoplasm flows out sometimes the finer points of john storytelling take a while to sink in snipe writes like the sequence from issue 132 at first it didn't occur to me that the sequence with johan running away should mirror the four panel scene in issue 131 where nichols chucks the suit out of the helicopter which in turn mirrors the dream sequence from issue 130 but i got it eventually and corrected the layout to match It's the kind of thing that makes it both a joy and a pain to work with such a smart writer. If I hadn't caught this in time, I would have been kicking myself all over the yard once I saw it in print and realized my mistake. I've always loved Johan as a character, but he is not without challenges. He doesn't have a face, right? Fortunately, in his traditional incarnation, his body is a jointless, gas-filled rubber balloon. This makes for some wonderfully expressive and naturally cartoony body language occasionally it even lends itself to a bit of old-fashioned slapstick and that's such a great way to describe it too i was trying to describe like as it's all wibbly wobbly moving around but yeah it does have that cartoony kind of slapstick feel which makes it a little humorous
2: oh yeah i mean you totally get that kind of classic uh like 1930s cartoon feel whenever i see johan
1: and we get some more notes and layouts for some of these great pages this page where he's recapping liz and the events of the long death that scene where he says god that you were talking about matt again a minor adjustment of the layout this time for storytelling purposes johan comes face to face with some tough decisions and potentially with his maker it takes a bit more than over the shoulder shot to convey the cosmic and emotional significance drawing a starry sky takes a special kind of zen it's a lot harder than it looks no really (laughs) yeah no that just looks
4: he said cosmic right yeah yeah Yeah. he
1: did i think that's it for the sketch we get some more pencils of where he's laying out all the different pieces of the armor awesome so i'm so excited to get to the next episode and we're banking some episodes so we're going to be banking some we're not going to be caught up on the listener feedback but it'll be all right we'll get caught up over time thank you guys so much and we're just going to make sure that you guys have a awesome episode every week and now aubrey's going to say all the things
2: all right, everybody, share us
1: your thoughts on
2: BPRD Hell on Earth, Nowhere, Nothing, Never. You can send us a Hey You Damn Guys at Hellboy Club at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find the Discord link, the reading order, Adam Hicks Chronology, and now Ryan Ewell's amazing artwork all on our <laughs> Facebook About section. Awesome, yeah. A special thanks to Paul from Gotohan for the amazing theme music. And thank you, Mark, for help on the reading order. And John for all the editing and everybody else for always being awesome. You can find the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Next week, we are reading BPRD, Hell on Earth, Modern Prometheus. Awesome. So, you know what to do. Grab those back issues, those trades, those digitals, get out the omnibus, go to your library, and join us next week on the Hellboy Book Club podcast.
1: Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. I'm John Salinas.
3: I'm Marbles. (laughs) And I'm Matt
2: And I'm Aubrey Loveless saying, I don't know, try petting a cat.